Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the program. We are live from Blastoff Productions here in New York City, and you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate at this hour. More than move over San Francisco, the Big Apple tops Silicon Valley as the most expensive place to live in the United States, according to a new study. Per square foot, real estate in Manhattan is the most expensive in the United States, with the average property in the borough eclipsing all other local uh, areas. Also at this hour, with more than 300,000 active real estate sales agents and brokers in Manhattan alone, it's difficult to task. Uh, it's a difficult task to stand out in the crowd of go-getters looking for the next big deal. But more and more brokers are putting to good use their previous skills and experiences to help them stand out and better service their clients. How do you stand out in this business? We will discuss. But first, I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I'm Vince Rocco, and you're listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate. So when looking uh, at real estate listings, you've probably noticed that sometimes the contact is referred to as a broker and other times as an associate broker or salesperson or agent. What's the difference? And does it matter when you're looking to rent, buy, or sell a place in New York City? Well, the, uh, the official descriptions are salesperson or agent. These two terms are interchangeable, although the New York uh, Department of State, which issues real estate licenses, uses salesperson. A real estate salesperson is someone who has completed the state's 75-hour approved qualified education course and passed a 90-minute exam with 75 multiple-choice questions that cover the topics in the pre-licensing curriculum. To get your license, you have to be sponsored by a brokerage firm, and a salesperson has to have their license held by a sponsoring broker and work under the guidance of a broker. They can't just go out on their own in their own business. A broker or associate broker uh, must take an additional 45-hour course on top of the 75 hours and 150-minute 100 multiple-choice question test to get their broker's license, which allows them to own a brokerage and be legally responsible for its activity. Most of the additional education involves law, such as agency law, license law, and real estate law. But uh, before attempting a broker's license, a salesperson needs at least two years' experience as a licensed salesperson, or at least three years' experience in the general real estate field, or a combination of both. Plus, they must meet a minimum number of points required for the experience type, that is buying and selling your own property, managing property owned by your employer, Etc. And the reason I, I read this this morning is because many people ask me on a regular basis, what is the difference? And if you're a broker, are you more experienced? Do you make more money? Are you more seasoned? Etc. Etc. So obviously not. Uh, you can be just as successful as a salesperson, but uh, titles do matter with the Department of State here in New York. So anyway, we have our panel here today. Ari Harkoff from uh, Halstead Real Estate, Matthew Cohen from CORE, Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Elliman, Louise Phillips-Forbes, from Halstead Real Estate, welcome back, and Sean McPeak from Halstead Real Estate as well. Halstead heavy today. Good morning, everybody. Never a bad thing. Never a bad morning. thing. Morning, shocker. <laughs> shocker. Shocker. No, not always. It's not always Halstead heavy. Sometimes. We love Halstead. I love Recently, it was yes. Douglas Elliman heavy, I think. It's right? Tracy and my second family. Exactly. <laughs> it will be adopted Halstead agent. You're well loved. So moving on, can I have a co-signer on a mortgage? This question from a buyer recently. If so, will it hurt my chances of getting approved by a co-op board? Now, you know, we all live and breathe by the co-op board's standards and practices and and toughness sometimes and not but 
oftentimes buyers say to me, I can afford to pay the monthly, you know, expenses, et cetera, but I need a little help, you know, because my, I'm young and my, my portfolio isn't so robust and strong, so I might need a cosigner on my loan. And the first question always is, uh, is, it, um, is it okay to have a cosigner? It depends on the board. I definitely have run into situations where the only co-signers on the mortgage had to be occupants of the apartment. So if that's, you know, it's not going to be a daughter or father occupying a one bedroom together, but that that is rare, I found. Well, I find that, that um, I've been able to be successful in the past by having a co-purchase occur where there is, you know, the mortgage is more structured in both of their names uh, as opposed to just an independent that's co-signed on the mortgage alone. How do how do co-op boards look at that though? So, for example, you know um, they're not co-purchasing, or there's there isn't like a, a parent buying for child, whatever. But there's just someone individually, and that that individual could be anybody, a friend, a parent, or whatever, um, a, a, a spouse. You know, how does the co-op board though look at that? Because ultimately, the responsibility for that loan now becomes part of two people, not one. But the co-op is really kind of only selling to one person. So how, how, how do they look at that? I mean, people get very confused by that I find that less theory. and less of, of, of the tolerance of a guarantor. I think they're, they're indifferent to that. Mm-hmm. Um, boards, my experience has been, and I don't really find that co-signing in my you know, niche of business has been something that I've really structured. I've structured it where there are more gifts and we try to bolster and create scaffolding for the individual buyer so that they can have more independence just as a risk you know uh hedge i, I agree with louise i'd rather do a gift or something like that than a cosign well, let, also, me, well uh, let me ask you something uh, uh, hold on one second Ari. so so how do the banks look at it i mean so the the co-ops say you know one thing but what do the banks say i mean they're again the person buying the co-op is the person buying the co-op the cosigner is just kind of coming in at a left field to help does the bank have a problem with that? Well, I think it partially depends on the financial wherewithal of the of the primary buyer and borrower. So if the buyer is very well qualified, but maybe slightly marginal, then sometimes what we'll do is we'll have the guarantor guarantee the maintenance of the co-op rather than guaranteeing the mortgage because they don't need a guarantee on the mortgage. The other thing that I would say as a general statement is banks tend to be um, less stringent in their guidelines than co-op boards. So a bank is more likely to say that this borrower is fine to take out a loan of X, but the co-op may not be comfortable with that. So generally speaking, what we find is is the guarantee or the backup is more a co-op issue than a bank issue in New York City because of the delta between the two. Absolutely. And I actually just had a situation where a buyer wanted to do a, a co- co-borrow with his father because he could take advantage of a lower interest rate since his father had significant assets at said bank. The bank was willing to grant a lower interest rate, um, but it didn't need to be a co-purchase. The buyer qualified on his own for the board, but it, it was a fairly flexible board, so we were able to work that out. And I find that most banks these days actually would not prefer necessarily, but see a gift instead of a guarantor co uh, co-signee. I have a lot of a lot more experience with buyers who get either gift letters or gift money just for the bank itself, and not even for the purchase. Yeah, again, you know, the gifts and 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 cosigners, whatever, one thing, but you know, to have just a cosigner on on an application. Uh, to purchase a co-op, it's in, not in that particular. it's not that common in New York. It's I mean, not I think that common, correct? I think it's a different conversation. Oh, I think for sure, absolutely. All right, before we move on, uh, I'm being told by Aaron that we have a caller, and his name is Ray. So this is a surprise. Is this the Excellent. Ray I'm thinking about? Can we guess what country he's in right now? 
Morocco. Ray. Take a wild guess. Ray. 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 Lauren, how are you? I do very well. I am in uh, Serbia. Serbia. Good lord. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And we think we have communication problems here. Oh lord. Nothing. But are you like buying real estate? Or are you playing? Uh, Not here, but I just closed on a three-unit property upstate New York. Got Congratulations, it. Ray. Well, awesome. he, he's been on a world tour for a year, so he's been kind of MIA, but he still does Remotely his real Ray. estate stuff. So, Ray, what, I mean, tell us where where are you going, where have you what been, and Serbia? where are you going next? Yeah, what's in Serbia? How do you like Serbia? Uh, Belgrade, I think, is a very undiscovered gem of the Balkan states, to be honest. I saw your post this morning. I'm just letting it, letting it go through. Um, but I've been pretty much all throughout Europe, Lisbon, Prague, Amsterdam, uh, Barcelona, of course. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. Um, Montenegro, heading to split Croatia next. Oh, Croatia. Amazing. That's that's cool. Do you I have know. to go to Croatia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lucky dog. <laughs> yeah, Are you still managing your business, Ray? Right? Croatia is actually on the beach, like right across from the water. Oh, tough life. Uh, so how much longer do you have on this tour? So our official end date of this program is the 29th of December, but I will be in Cape Town, South Africa until the 11th of January. Nice. Such a good time to be there. Yeah. Oh, God, life time. is so hard. <laughs> Ray texted me a few minutes ago and he was like, I have a surprise. Um, I, I thought you were going to walk in. I didn't know when you were done with your trip. I'm on your Instagram, dude. It's pretty beautiful there. Yeah. Your, your morning shot this morning with that beautiful sunlight coming through the, the blinds were beautiful. So yes, right, I have a bit of insomnia over here. We have a we have a hard time adjusting because it's it's not that late for you guys when it's quite late here. So I started watching the Emmys and it just went all downhill from there. And I was up until like seven a.m. The Emmys were kind of downhill. Period. Last night it wasn't very <laughs> exciting but, to watch. But I also see you got a contract signed. So, dude, you're you're locking and loading. He's working from around the world. Yes, so that came through yesterday as well. I was very happy about that. That's a $4 million house in Tech Harbor. That's amazing. So how are you finding it hard to to find places where you can use the internet um, online? How's Wi-Fi? No, Wi-Fi here has been excellent, actually. So right now I'm calling you from uh, my apartment because we just had an issue fixed with our sink and stuff. But Wi-Fi here has been great. Like I said, it's... If anyone's never been to like the Balkan states in general, I would definitely recommend uh, Belgrade. It's kind of people call it like the next Berlin. I wouldn't go that far, but it's it's absolutely amazing. The people are great. It's cheap. Well, it's just I, a really cool place to be. I, I'm I'm super inspired. I took the month of August off, kind of, and um, virtually. Kind of. Let's just call a space. Vacation. But, but I got. You were only uh, working twelve hours a day. We did. Yes, we did yeah. ten transactions in August, and you're inspiring me. I know every time I book a trip. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants a piece of me and everybody wants a transaction. The sky falls down, exactly. <laughs> so and, and so you're inspiring me. So I think the, the, the message today is be good to yourself. All is going to be well. Yeah. Ray's taking it pretty easy on himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got the world, he's got the world by his I fingertip. Complain. I do find that when you leave, you tend to do a lot more business than you ever anticipate. So 
It, it's it's true, and I wonder what what kind of causes that. But I guess you know, in this business, like Louise said, no matter when you decide to take a break or take a day off, the world falls apart. Yeah, so. if you want a property to sign a contract or close, you got to go through airport security, and then your phone starts blowing up. Correct. Ray, are you coming back to New York anytime soon? Uh, I have no plans to be back until 2019. So let's wow. let's just hope it's not a terrible winter because after chasing summer for the year, I think going back in January, February is going to be a very hard adjustment. The all-knowing farmer's almanac predicts a a mild winter. Oh, so. I don't believe that. <laughs> I believe the, they were right about last year. <laughs> no, I hope they've been right for years. Wrong. You know, there's no really global warming. Farmers need to go you, pick Mickey? their tomatoes. I, I don't believe it. Cold already. Anyway, uh, we're at the thirty-second mark. We got to take a break. Ray, you're welcome to stay with us if you like. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We have to take a break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. We are here with uh, Ari Harkov, Matthew Cohen, Tracy Hammersley, Louise Phillips-Forbes, Sean McPeak, and we have our visitor, uh, Ray Lord, on the other end, calling in from Serbia today. Isn't that something? Technology works. (laughs) <laughs> Sometimes. All right, let me ask you something. So you think that days on the market counters on apartment listing sites tell you definitively how long an apartment has been available. That's not exactly the case. Sites such as StreetEasy, Realtor.com, Trulia, etc., and others have all different methods for keeping track of how long a listing has been on the market. Then there are the brokers who try to manipulate stale listings by delisting and relisting an apartment or by renaming one 3A and then A3, for example, in order to have it appear to be new to the market. Now, I mean, none of this stuff is shocking. But the reason I ask is because in this particular marketplace where inventory is building and days on market last, you know, longer than, than we'd like to see, 
Why is it important to a buyer when they come into a property? I mean, the, it's either the first or second question they ask is, how long has this been on the market? So for the listeners out there around the world who don't necessarily understand the dynamic of the New York City marketplace, why is length of time on market so important to a buyer who comes in an open house or a private showing or whatever? Well, I think buyers all, it's not that they all know each other and they all communicate with each other, but they all almost base themselves around each other. So they want, you know, if they go into a property that has been sitting there or has been, you know, been on the market for a while and having trouble selling, they relate to other buyers and how they're viewing it. So they want to know that, you know, oh, if other buyers aren't snatching this up, why should I be snatching this up? You know, I also think that, and everyone always feels this way, the longer something sits on the market, the more buyers almost feel like there's something wrong with with the actual property it, itself. It's, imp it's important they feel so. validated. I think it's really good when you have an open house and buyers see other buyers inside the open house. I think it's just a psychological thing more than totally, anything yes. else. And 100%. it's just one of those necessary questions that they must ask, I but, think. And I also, you know, in, in, in really helping manage expectations for sellers, I feel that it's become more and more crucial to share your experience, your current experience, that you know, okay, we can do it your way and come on the market here. It is $800,000 less, I mean, yeah. more than what I think it's worth. Yeah. And, you know, we have to make a business decision. If you want to try that, you try it for 10 days. But, you know, the first 30 days, quite frankly, if you don't have 30 people through your door, you are not priced right. Absolutely. And that is, doesn't matter the niche. Well, if we're looking at you've either got time or, or money. Those are your two qualifications. And not only exactly. that, you'll chase the market and it will be worth less or the market will bear less than what actually it's possibly worth. I do think, sorry, Vince, I do think that people are understanding in the current climate that there's not necessarily something wrong with the property if it's there for two months on the market. Anything could happen. People are, there's very little sense of urgency for a lot of buyers. So things just are not moving or transacting as quickly as they used to. It's not necessarily a stigma. I do agree with Luis that especially if you've got the very serious buyers who are waiting to pounce on anything new that comes on the market. In the first 30 days, that crop of people haven't, leapt on it as something new, perhaps you are overpriced. I, it definitely always comes down to price. I don't care what market it's in. But, you know, it, it, we, we're in a situation today where I hear from colleagues and, and friends, et cetera, in my own business with multiple listings. And you can show, show, show and get no, no, no <laughs> offers, I mean, on a regular basis. Or you go through a whole week like we did last week in my business with not one request to show anything. So it's kind of like, yeah. Holidays, holidays. Well, holidays, holidays. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to call BS on the holiday thing. I it, think when people see something they want, they come out and see it. it I right. think we use that as an excuse in this industry. Oh, it's the Jewish holidays. It's Labor Day, whatever. Like, right. you see something you want, you get out and buy the property. Okay, yeah, but, but people but make plans same. with their kids and stuff, so they go away. No, 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 no. no but, but Ari's got a point there. because and, and you said something a minute ago, Tracy. It's like when you put something hot, hot on the market, a brand new listing on the market, and buyers are out there waiting to see what's coming on next. I mean, not too long ago, you know, you'd have multiple people at that first open house. That first open house is always critical, crucial to, to I think, the flow of how that, that listing is going to go on its journey. Today, you put a hot property. I put something on four weeks ago, so perfectly priced compared to everything else we've ever put on in that building. And I'm the building specialist over this. I've had 10 years of experience. Not one visitation. 
So okay. there's something going there's on. There's something there. in the market right now that's happening. But I but, agree with Ari. No, no, no. I totally agree with Ari. I mean, as a Jew myself, you know, Russia, <laughs> like, like, come that's on. Such an observant, you know, reverential as, Jew, Menchie. As a Kohanim myself. Speak your mouth, your you Matthew. Rosh Hashanah was last week. Yom Kippur is this week. Yes, there are a lot of Jews that are out and, you know, um, at shul and they're with their families and whatever. But I had a client, for example, who was actually in New Mexico with his family for Rosh Hashanah last week. And he still was checking Shredizi and he saw a new listing come yeah. up and he texted me the day of Russia the second day of Russia Sean and he was like the second I'm back I want to see this right. so there's yeah but I think that there's different personality types I, I, I agree are that that might factor in Matt with with your buyer for an example but I think in general I do have buyers who stayed away through Labor Day and then were slow with the holidays and are now really thinking about regrouping um, this next week I think the next two or three weeks I mean based on what we've come through or gone through this year then the next two weeks after holiday I mean if you want to use that um, as I mean don't a, forget a about Columbus twice. Day coming up then but now I'm kidding Halloween's in a month but, uh, <laughs> right, but no, to Ari's point I mean people can use all of those things and, oh it's a long week and we're going to be away well so what but the bottom line is I think in the next two to three weeks we should be able to really better measure what this market place what is going to be going to look like yes and, right. and I would also the, argue that the, and if it's not any change than it is today then as you said Ariel a minute ago then there's something going on in the marketplace I personally I think there's something going on right now in the market yeah. but my second point is I think that the, the for better sick, or worse for worse for worse definitively worse um, but I think that this, the cyclicality around the seasons holidays etc has flattened out significantly yeah. to yeah. Tracy's point I agree 100% there are people who always be away there you know August will be slower um, January December will be slower I get all that and I agree with that but the cyclicality is flattened out by and large because we're all carrying computers in our pockets and we have the ability to access all those things at all times. And do, like your, your client can be in Serbia and looking at Street Easy, like the world has changed a lot. Okay, but 100%. that being said, I will say that um, you put ten properties in a contract in August. I, I also mean, listen, was ridiculously just, busy. My busiest August in fifteen years in the business. And, and it was very true. busy for That's us. Mine too. was last year. The busiest month ever was last August for me this year. And mine was very slow last year. Flat. So, <laughs> so I will tell you, I listed something and I made a very strategic decision to list it, probably about fifty grand below market. Um, it went two hundred and fifty thousand dollars oh, above the absolutely, price. absolutely forty two yeah. people in three days there. But hold on, when did wow. you list it and where was it? The week before Labor Day. What was the price? But point? Where wow. was it? Uh, Upper West Side. Like where? West End Avenue and seventy fifth. What Upper price point? Uh, it was two three, and it went for two five. Upper West, Upper West is the one market in the city that's uh, remained very very strong right now. And it was not a big apartment. I don't know. I I found over the last few weeks. I, I mean, yeah. you are yeah. <laughs> so like take that out of your fairy dust. Well, you know, I, down, of course. I, I, you know that. I don't know. I my own business, and you know, a lot of businesses around me of you know friends I talk to in the industry. We've all had a very similar opinion over the last three to four weeks. That is, we found that we're back into buyers and sellers are having a hard time meeting. So I haven't felt this way in months. And, you know, I don't think it's as much about time on the market. I think it's more about, and I don't know if it's about overpriced or underpriced. I think it's about meeting on price. Okay, but let me just say also that uh, the conversations that I'm having with my sellers, am I okay? Okay, the conversations that I'm having, sorry, I was oh, loud, guys. <laughs> but the conversation I've been having with my sellers, and I've just put a very difficult deal together that is, you know, almost $19 million. And... 
I basically said to my seller, you need to be uncomfortable if you want to make this deal. And the buyer's broker said the same thing. And once everybody's a little uncomfortable and not 100% happy, actually that is That's when supposedly compromise. we've done our That's job. a good deal, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray, are you still there? Oh. Serbia, yo. yeah. Right. All right, right. Let me ask you a question. I just so, muted myself. Let me let, <laughs> let me let me ask you a question. So we're talking about days on market, how it seems to be affecting the marketplace here in New York City. What are you hearing from your Hamptons uh, colleagues and your own and your own personal listings out in the Hamptons? Are they are they lingering more longer rather than ever before? So what we're seeing right now is you're exactly correct. Things are staying on the market longer. What I will tell listeners of, you have to understand that the Hamptons is a secondary home market, so there's never any sort of rush, really. So people will get really hung up on days on market, but at the end of the day, in the Hamptons, people say, you know, I'm going to test the market. If I sell it, great. If I don't, doesn't matter. I'll rent it. So no one's in a super rush. The days on market to us are kind of irrelevant. Yeah, I mean that 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 totally makes sense as a secondary marketplace, and um, you know, but still, I think you know, everything seems to be lingering, whether it's in New York or the Hamptons, or or actually in Westchester. Let me ask you, Louise, about your property up in New Rochelle. That's How, the deal I'm talking that's about. That's the good. You you're getting a deal on that place. Beautiful. I just saw your video the other day for I like the first time. I mean, it's that place t- uh, is. Uh, we're launching mag- a television show. Wow, it's magnificent! I can't believe how big that place is. Twenty three thousand square feet. Yeah, and it's Holy. a Stanford White, uh, yeah. Sydney Stratton collaboration. It's really amazing. Yeah, wow! It's like well, Mazel Tov on the on the on the deal. That's fantastic. There is, there is, but I have to tell you that the philosophy of that particular owner felt that you know, and interestingly enough, every Westchester broker told told her that it was worth between nine and ten million dollars. What? And I basically just said, you know, that that's, you know, they're just not, they're not opening up their minds. They're focused on comps and there are no comps here. This is a one of a kind. 23,000 square history. feet. How many houses You're up in West Coast? history. Right. That's, you know, if you take a seaplane, which is what my owner did occasionally to, to, to the city, it's 11 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. And it's the 32 minute uh, train ride. Right. But just to. Just to give a different perspective, no offense, Louise. Um, for agents, you don't for, have a seaplane, Matt. You know, for agents <laughs> out there that are are feeling tough in this market, and with the you know just with buyers and sellers, and you know stepping on people's toes and things like that. I'm having, you know, I'm having an issue with my clients on if they don't feel happy, and if they, as you said, if they don't feel comfortable, they're not going to do the deal. Like they, you know, I've had three clients over the last two weeks who were like, I just don't feel good about that. And they walked away. So I don't want. I don't want people. Trust your instinct. Absolutely. Oh, you no. Know, totally. you know, and I'm. And I'm one of those people. You know, especially one of those brokers that I fully support my client. I'm like, you know, we will do what you want to do. But it's also I having just, faith in the process and trusting your instinct, and that is how you get educated. Yeah, but in pricing. Ah, uh, in pricing, I don't know. I oh, really I think don't, I agree. I think like when you're, especially when you're a buyer, if you're not feeling good about that price, if you feel like you're overpaying just a little bit, especially in a market like this, I don't want agents out there to feel like they're doing something wrong. I want you to feel like you're supporting your client, and it is a process, and you're going to find something that works for them. It might just not be that first or second one. There's yeah, a lot of inventory well, out there. Yeah, yeah. I'm working with a buyer right now, and and he, he the, the first buyer I have ever worked with. First of all, I love this guy; he's amazing. But has never wa- walks into a place and says, "How long is this on the market?" I mean, he takes it for what it is. 
uh, there's a lot to see, or he would have been locked down weeks ago. We lost in the bidding war uh, after like one week of looking. So he's serious to, to do something, but there's so much out there that every day it's like, well, do you want to see this one? Well, do you want to see this one? Do you want to see it? And they're all so like. So it's not like, you know, they're very different or very differently priced. Anyway, we got to take a break. Um, we will be back. This We're live from Blast Off Productions here in New York. This is Good Morning uh, New York. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their product. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, buddy. We are back for segment three with Ari Harkoff from Halstead Real Estate, Matthew Cohen from CORE, Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Elliman, Louise Phillips-Forbes from Halstead, uh, Sean McPeak from Halstead, and Ray Lord uh, from Douglas Elliman is calling in from Serbia around the world this morning. So good morning again to everybody. All right, we just got off the days on market conversation, etc. So people are asking me today, is it better to rent today than buy in this marketplace? So basically to kind of hold, place hold until maybe things turn around, place hold to maybe prices go up or down. I mean, they're not quite sure what they're asking, but they're thinking maybe it's best that I continue to rent or that I go out and find a rental. What's the what's the my consensus? My answer to my clients will vary. If you are, you know, trading up, and you have a great cost basis, and you are looking for that next ten year buy because you are planning on expanding, and you have job security, you need to sell and lock your ten year rate because interest rates are going to shift the buying power. So for the lower end of the market. It is going to be, they're going to be the first ones priced out of the rental market. If you all remember, as interest rates rise, so do rental markets in, traditionally. 
Absolutely. And so that buying power is going to shift and it's going to box some people out of it, particularly on the lower end. And everyone likes negotiating. Everyone likes quote unquote deals. Um, Earlier this year. That's our middle name, Deal. (laughs) (laughs) I wish it was Deal New Jersey. Um, But earlier this year, end of last year. (laughs) Really? (laughs) It it, it can be if you want to be one day. It is Yom Kippur Um, tomorrow. True. I'm going to go to Deal for (laughs) Yom Kippur. Earlier this year, to end of last year, the rental market was really soft and people were getting great deals. We all know. And I I told a lot of my clients, why not rent for another year if you can get a great deal? Like if you can negotiate with a landlord very hard. Um, Over the last five months specifically, all of my investment units that I manage, all of the tenants that have moved out, we've rented them at higher um, you know, rental prices to Louise's point. Um, the rental market is now very robust. It's now doing better. Um, I find, and things are moving quickly mm. or quicker. So, depending on the location, so I think. <laughs> so case all by I'll case say, I'll say, case that case, I, yeah. I say to my client, like, why not? Try not my both? rentals. Yeah. I, I tell my client, like, why not try both? Why don't you try and negotiate on a rental that you might? Mm-hmm. Be I've done interested the same. In, and yeah. why don't you try and negotiate on a, a purchase that you might be interested? I think yeah. like the rent to buy decision is so complicated it's so much more than we can discuss right now it's how long are you going to be in the home yeah. it's how much Tax liquidity do you have what's your job security you know what kind of home would you rent is it comparable to what you would buy do you want to stay in a neighborhood for a long time are you planning on having children are you planning on moving like there's so much to it yeah. and I think a lot of times clients look at like okay I can rent this for X and I can buy that for Y but it's much more complex well, and would, nuanced than that I agree with that 100% I think that when you are a current owner and you have the time value of money in your and equity in your home mm-hmm. it is time to leverage up absolutely because we have experienced I live I got in the business when interest rates were 12.4 percent yeah me too and and, you know we were three and change so Mm -hmm. even at five and a half and six percent it's historically money it's money I think it's a it's a mindset Mm -hmm. I came from parents who were born during the depression and actually before the depression my dad was born in 1916 and um I'm not a mistake, guys. Um, <laughs> You're also not old. So I, I'm trying to do the math in my 50, head. He was 50 when I was born. Got it. He would have been 106. Damn. Wow. Really? I love that. <laughs> there There's still hope, man. There's still hope. There's still hope. Dale, New Jersey, everyone. <laughs> Everything that they worked for was for our education and owning their home. And by the way, as we all know, the trend has changed. That generation used to live in the same house for yeah. 30 years. Um, and longer. It yeah. doesn't happen anymore. No. I also just want to add one other key point, which is a lot of our buyers, I think, want to time the market. You can't time yeah. markets. We always say you know, trying to time a market is like trying to catch a falling knife. It's not going to work out for you. <laughs> and so what you do is you try to find the best deal at the best time when it works for your one. lifestyle. I like yeah. that one. Well, I, um, it, you can't time markets. And by the way, the experts, quote unquote, whoever they are, they can't time markets. By the way, I want to just say, you can always say, well, you know, Louise Phillips Forbes, she paid the highest purchase price in her building not once but twice at that time and she's an expert i got a phone call from robbie brown from corcoran saying Uh. when i bought it on butter lane in the hamptons He's like, Wheezy, thanks. You just paid the highest purchase price ever. Oh, no. How <laughs> <laughs> nice of him to like I did it in that. Woodstock. Yeah. And I did it in Montauk. So, but you know what? I have zero regrets because it worked for my life. Exactly. And it's a user asset for me first and foremost. 
So I yes. think that. But you're not underwater in any of those properties because have, you're, it's a sign of the I time. I created more wealth in my real estate Correct. than I could ever have imagined. Correct. In what I did. Well, that that's the thing. You, you buy bought in well and you market. bought for a long term. But are you? And, and let's be real. Warren Buffett is buying now. This is absolutely a market where you can absolutely oh leverage. Oh my God! Yes. Um, how prices have come down so much. Well, new I, developments. Okay there's an too. APB. You may. There's an APB out from every single new development. Bring an offer. Negotiate. Yes. Here's twenty five thousand dollar <laughs> bonus to the buyer's agent. Yeah. Um, we'll give you a five percent commission well the so, deals sell your, are there. sell your unit that you're living in you that you've you've built a ton of equity in and then you can negotiate down on a brand new new development but ari's correct that but you know <clears throat> it, more than anywhere else in the country or i don't know if i would say the world but new york is a place where buyers just have so many variables going on in their mind you know and they, so many they're thinking about their job security they're thinking about like am i having kids soon you know i, I always say to my clients i'm like don't think the way i do because my clock is ticking i'll have a child tonight but um but i i always like it's so hard because then they're like i'm gonna <laughs> time, they're, they're like i'm gonna time the market like what's the maintenance you know prices are this i want prices to be that like what are they going to be in a year so I think it's just very hard to, to even as experts to talk to clients in a market like this. Oh, well, yeah, I guess so. But I mean, uh, that's our job, yo. <laughs> is, is it safe to assume then for those listeners as out there? Tracy says, yo. Who don't. <laughs> She's trying to keep up with you, Jersey. <laughs> is it safe to assume, though, that for the listeners out there who are not New York City market savvy, that when it is a hot market and the inventory is limited or depleted, that the urgency to buy is I got to buy, I got to buy, because if I don't buy right now, someone's going to scoop that up and it's going to go. When we're in a marketplace like this, kind of lackadaisical, kind of laissez-faire, kind of over inventory and prices kind of, you know, teetering on coming down, staying where they are, whatever, people just sit back and say, well, even though we can all say this is the hottest time or the best time to buy New York City real estate buyers will sit there and second guess everything, but yet in a hot market, they will overpay but in some cases, and they will pay in bidding wars and <clears throat> lose, you know, multiple deals before they get one. So I, I sometimes, as a 16-year veteran in this business, try to understand what emotion perception what, perception is also, is the driver of this market, and, and it's also I would say confidence, and I think that I try to coach my clients to not focus to get out stay out of the news correct focus on your instincts 100 percent, and let me educate you because you will know it's just like dating when 100%. you walk into the right home well you're i mean when i met my husband i knew i met him on a blind date bottle rockets mm -hmm. it's the same thing i wasn't even in the market when i bought my first apartment i was showing a client and he's literally like this is a dump. We have to go. I'm like, holy mackerel, I think I'm going to buy this. And I did. Hmm. And I think it's also so, you know, we, we go back to the whole, like, why do people care about days on the market? Human psychology is such that we all look for validation and justification. And why do people buy in markets where prices are rising? Because they, they get immediate justification and validation because they buy for X and six months later, it's worth X plus 5%. Yeah. It's a lot easier to buy in an up market where you get immediate justification in your purchase than to buy in a down market where the property's value is likely to go down before it goes, goes up in up. the long term. Absolutely. It's better to Zig like, when don't everyone you else is zagging. Go, what, go I mean, the long term, it's better to zig when everyone else is zagging. Correct. Well, in the long yeah. term, you'll well, do better buying in a, in a market where prices are falling, but in the immediate short term, you don't feel good about it. I also it's that feel good, but it oh, prices always go back up again in this town. Always. I also tell my clients, you know, just like we said, like, go with your gut, you know, stick to your guns. And especially in this market, like, if you're feeling a certain way, 
don't go against the way you're feeling. Or more than that, you know, if you feel like I had a client who made an offer on an apartment a month and a half ago and, you know, he, they countered us for a final counter, you know, their bottom line. And it was still, you know, three, no, like 5% off of where we were. And my client just said, you know, I feel good about my offer. I know what's going on in the market and I feel good about it. And I want the apartment at this number. And a week ago, the broker called me and she said, is he still willing to pay that number? So, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that every single situation is going to be that way, but when you go with your gut and when you really stick to your guns, not only as, you know, as a buyer, but as a broker who is guiding your client, I don't think you will ever regret it. Hey, Ray, can you tell us uh, from your perspective or from what you're hearing from your colleagues in the Hamptons, how the rental season was this past year? The rental season wasn't that great. Uh, it took a, like a slow start, like a really slow start, and people were kind of freaking out. Um, and it ultimately, kind of, it kind of worked out, but overall, it wasn't. It wasn't a very strong rental season. What are the projections? Do you think um, going forward? I mean, is there any buzz about this coming fall for people renting for the 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 uh, winter months or for full season, or even you know talk about what next year is going to be like, or is it too soon? It's a little too soon. It is um, getting back to what we were talking about earlier. I think people are, are actually more focused on holidays and just coming. I mean, people just came back from that. Because we, we tend to use this time right now just to reconfirm next year prices and bring things back online. But uh, in the next month or two, particularly in January, people start booking a lot of stuff. So it's a little too early to tell. I just locked Got up it. my house for another year lease at an increased rent. An annual, annual, good, perfect. The one on Butterfield? Six figures, yeah. Wonderful, yeah. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. So some people rent for season, some people rent for annual. Uh, and I so, found that the season Some people rent for weeks and days now. I mean, yeah, I well, that's, that, that's broke changed. The market. It, it, exactly, mm-hmm. absolutely. I think Airbnb has kind of changed that whole dynamic out there. But anyway, Manhattan's rental market is staying sluggish. The median net effective rent, which accounts for concessions, was down 2% year over year to $3,310 in August, according to the latest rental reports. The luxury segment in particular saw a pronounced decline, with the median rent sliding 3.8%. It's a long, slow grind as opposed to something erratic, said Jonathan Miller, CEO of appraisal firm Miller Samuel, and the author of the report. So where where are we with the rental? I mean, you know, my rentals are not necessarily moving as quickly as they used to. Uh, we've had to bring prices down in some cases to get people in. What are you seeing overall for uh, the rental market in your businesses? I mean, I, have, I put something on the market between uh, Irving and... Park Avenue South on 18th Street. It's a three-bedroom, two-full-bath loft, and it's huge. It's in perfect condition, and it's just you know it's been almost two weeks. And what's the what's the rental? Six thousand. Wow, that's not so bad at all. Uh, I think the I think the I think the rental market is all about location. Even though that sounds like a really good location, so that That goes against my thinking. But I I think that um I think it's all about location in the sense of I think it's the opposite way we used to say location. I think in the past we would say if it's in the perfect spot, I don't think you'll rent in a second. Now I think it's actually the opposite. I think that the fringe rentals are, in my opinion, like from my experience recently, you're doing really well. Like I was, I had to re-rent something in Long Island City for a client of mine furnished and I kept on telling him please can we not do this furnished um, <laughs> it's just the worst and I mean the furniture's big and and um, 
we rented in a second and we rented it, you know, for, for more than we had it last year. So I, I don't know. I'm finding that the, in the furnished market can like, like come that. and go in the blink of an eye. It's like, everybody's getting, like if you try to put a furnished rental on in November, December, you're dead in the water because people don't switch jobs or come to the city randomly those months. So it, I mean, that's the just rental market can be like, you can't, you can never have enough of them. And all of a sudden it just goes totally radio silent. All right. We have to, we have to take a break. We're at our mark. We are, this is a uh, good morning, New York. Uh, real estate. Uh, we will be right back after these messages, so don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their product. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody. The topic we've been waiting for in our last segment here with more than 30,000 active real estate agents and brokers in Manhattan alone, it's difficult uh, to stand out in the crowd of go-getters to find that next big deal, that next big listing, that next big buyer, et cetera. So um, how I, the, the question I have is, so how do you, as real estate agents, and we've all been in the business you know, for a number of years, how do you, I guess, at first and then at continue in the business, how do you carve out that niche for yourself that makes you stand out among 30,000 other, other agents out there? So when you go out and show, people say, oh, hi, Vince, how are you? Hi, Ari, how are you? You know, whatever. They know who you are. You've been around for a while. But not only that you've been around for a while, but you've done deals. You know, anybody could be you know, hanging around anywhere, but you become, you know, a broker that, that's well-known. Now, everybody comes into this business with their own expectations and wants to be, you know, superstar brokers, et cetera, and they should be if they can. But how do you get there? Because everybody asks the question all the time. What makes Luis Phillips Forbes one of the top brokers in this in this city? What makes all of us continue to stay in this city, in this business for X amount of years? How does that happen? 
Well, I mean, Louise's name in and of itself should be like a show. I mean, that name, <laughs> like that name should always LPF. be in lights. Like Matthew Cohen. Ugh, awful. With um, Wheezy. <laughs> Wheezy. I don't know. I've, you know, I have a lot of brokers who come into the industry, a lot of young brokers who always ask me um, how I did it so quickly. I really think. I put, you are still young, Matt. You're, put, you're an anomaly, oh, but go ahead. You're right. Go I ahead. put so much emphasis. I <laughs> No, this is why Ray and I get along. Um, I I really put so much emphasis yeah, in my reputation in the industry. Um, I think it's so important to have not only connections with other brokers, but be you know have friendships with other brokers, have friendships with people who are on site. I mean, it really um, and and it's genuine. You know, it's not a fake thing. My clients definitely feel a certain way, and they've they've expressed it to me when we walk into a showing and the seller's broker and I are hugging each other. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's I a big there's thing. there's such truth to that. And I think that what I would say when I'm teaching the art of build, you know, the art of negotiating or new brokers building a team or whatever it might be, I might be talking about. I really um, think that it's, it's so important to be true to who you are. Mm -hmm. Two, I think it's so important to understand and believe and, and, and count on Sellers are here today and they're gone tomorrow. Buyers are here today and they're gone tomorrow. But you and I will be together interacting for the next, not one decade, not two decades. I'm in my third decade. Correct. It's a very small world. And, it's a very and small world. So when you treat people the way you want to be treated mm -hmm. and you are generous with your knowledge and generous with, with supporting unconditionally, you need help on pricing something. Let me help you. How can I help you? Exactly. Yeah. And I think in our you, in, in the culture in our company, to, show up to look at that forty million dollar piece of property that I don't have a buyer for right. because your owner is waiting for brokers to come. I'm coming. I'm I think we're right kind of lucky though because the culture in our company kind of you know in you know kind of instills that in all of us, and we just subscribe to it because it makes sense. And I just realized that I'm talking to the two, one and two top team. Uh, agents in all of Halstead, Ari and, and Louise. So, wow, that just... Proof is in the pudding. <laughs> Proof yeah, is in the right pudding, there. right. Uh, but but also, I think, you know, balance. I think there's a good balance. If you put good balance, life, family work, you know, uh, work, work together, I think that makes you more... Uh, real. More and real. Present. And your buyers and your sellers kind of feel that because they feel like I'm not just talking to a stiff cardboard agent. I'm talking to somebody who sort of has a life, can sort of discuss what <laughs> sort they of. do. Sort of. Sort of. Well, I sort say of. sort of because I, I, I use the term loosely, yes. but yes. there is balance. But life. you sort of have a life and you're able to have conversation with these people about other things. I find when I'm talking to people, it's not only about the real estate transaction or the real estate, you know, go, go sees and, and the looks and the viewings. It's about just personal stuff that you're bantering about in a taxi cab or walking down the street and just, it's and they being, feel being true to yourself. It's, it's being, being true to yourself. It's being a human being, right? Like I, at the end right. of the day, we're dealing with residential real estate. It's not commercial. These are homes always and they're emotional, personal decisions. Big. This is not but, business decisions. But I think the, the cool thing that Louise said, which I always say is this industry is big. There are, there, there's a lot of business out there's there. There's abundance for everyone. And like Louise and I are different personalities. We have different expertises and different people will gravitate to one of us or the other. And that's okay. Like that's part of what makes this business interesting. That's what makes the business. And so, I think what happens with a lot of young brokers is they try to sort of be everybody at all times to everybody and it doesn't work. So yeah, yeah that's what I was going to say is that you really got to, you got to really got to brand yourself I, as a specialist in something like, uh, for instance, uh, Maddie mentioned a few months ago that he got some business from the show because he was talking with such authority about the Harlem market and he's branded himself as a Harlem broker. 
um, in many ways, in my opinion. I feel like you always have a listing or two or <laughs> set, <laughs> posting something. But you, no. But if I if I had something We're in Harlem, you would come you come to mind. So exactly. I, think, I think that's a, to it's, answer it's, a question for people you to just get out. yourself started and then you can expand your brand. I also think that it's important for my experience on, on you know, when I lose a piece of business, I... Has this happened before? It, yes, all the time. <laughs> Whoa. If you're good, it should happen almost every day because you're out there marketing and prospecting to yeah, new people and, and you lose business and all the time. You know, that's very and correct. I find that, that when you empower your owners to their decision by saying, you know, do you mind me asking who is the lucky person? And it's somebody that I have a great respect for. I'm like, you know what? I don't feel so bad because you know what? I know you're in good hands to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay losing to that person because it's a hard decision you just made. Here's the other cool thing. I was like, you, when you lose business, I know that you do this and I do this. I always ask the client why. Yeah. What was the reason why? Absolutely. But I don't just ask them and then it goes in one year out the other. I try to assimilate and take that information in and make myself better. I think a lot of new brokers, they get rejection. They take it as rejection. They fall on their, you know, we, I don't know if I could say that on radio. Um, and then um, uh, they get stuck. So I think it's about taking the rejection and bounce figuring out how to make yourself better and bounce back. Bouncing and back that's a really difficult business. Thing. I, mean, that, I think a lot of that what you just said Ari is true but I think there's a lot of impatience in the younger uh, agent and they don't they have a certain expectation when they come mm-hmm. in and they don't necessarily understand why they should fall on their sword or fall on their butt and, mm-hmm. and kind of pick themselves up and start again yep. it's like the expectation is Vin, well I have Vin, to be perfect I couldn't agree more yeah I mean and I think that's that, what it, I find this a lot and I tell people all the time that if you, when you're going into real estate you can look at Louise you can look at Matt you can look at your anyone in, the, in that room and say you know you guys are amazing but people need to realize that what makes you different makes you stronger. And I did not come up with that. I totally stole it, but feel free to use it. <laughs> I agree. Well, and, and to speak to those new- you use that to make your business. I agree. To speak 100%. to those new agents, I have had at least five times where I've done exactly what Ari did because I always do that too. I ask for the feedback. Mm-hmm. Six yeah. months later, they have come back to me to say, you were the only agent that I spoke to who I ended up not working that with That happens also. Who followed right. up with so professional, unfortunately it didn't work out with the first person. Will you still do me the honor of working with me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, that absolutely. goes a long way too. That's not absolutely. why I do it. I genuinely do want to know what I could have done better and to incorporate that, but it's been a, a, an amazing benefit right. of that. And, right. and as the youngest broker in the room, except Ray is remotely, so you know, I'm taking that into numerically account. only, <laughs> right. numerically only. definitely not a mindset um we like ray said we really we meet weekly with a lot of new agents and especially with tv shows these days people have a warped view of, well, of you know how quickly the success happens what you have to do the hard work that goes into it but more than even that i have so many people who ask me they say you seem like a person that really cares and I've learned from watching other brokers that you have to have such a thick skin in the industry. Well, absolutely. And, and I say to them, I'm like, yes, to a certain extent, but but as Louise Nari said, like, stay true to yourself. I am a person that I've always cared way too much. And in the beginning of my career, I tried to change that and be more cold. And actually, you really got to be yourself. Exactly. And, and caring, exactly, caring too much has almost made me who I am today. Louise said it before, you've got to be true to yourself. Don't change who you are because I think that's what people relate to. And that's it. Period. I think it's so interesting. I can't tell you how many people that meet me actually go, oh my gosh, 
you're so much nicer than I thought you would be. <laughs> I'm like, you could be nice and be a great negotiator. There we go. On, on that point, we must go. But Louise Phillips Forbes is a nice person. Yeah. We're out of time. That's it for our, our show today. Thanks to my panel, as always. Uh, be kind to one another for all of us here at Voice America, all around the world. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.